From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents Danny Flecka here in his weekly spot on a big football weekend, week 18 in the NFL. I'm previewing the national title game uh, in college football. Danny, good morning. Morning. All right. Um, so clearly, I think you want to talk about that and not Cameron Smith's 36-hole lead at the Century Tournament of Champions in the PGA Tour. Do I have that correct? Wait, did you say 36-hole lead? Yes. He's 36 strokes up on second place? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. I, I meant 36. Uh, through the first two rounds, he's the leader. Got it. What's Justin Thomas at? Uh, our, our pick for the week is uh, at five under par, 12 shots back, and in a tie for 30th. Okay, well, it's better than uh, plus two, so. Yes, it's, 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 it's better than uh, uh, DFL, which he was uh, yesterday, which translates, of course, folks, to dead freaking last, although the F term is slightly adjusted um, for frustrated fans of those people um and it is apropos in a way that we are doing this today on a saturday um it is january 8th in that today is the day that betting goes online in the state of new york um so if you're sick of seeing betting uh and and gambling commercials in new york um with, with, with every other commercial, now just wait for them to be every single commercial. Um, <laughs> as, as these companies, including DraftKings and FanDuel, now get online uh, and start the process. Um, so with that, let's look at today's two NFL games. Kansas City, Denver, Dallas, Philly. Which one intrigues you more? I think on the surface level, it's... Kansas City, Denver, just because, you know, Kansas City has something to play for. Denver has a very outside shot at the playoffs. Um, You know, the scenes at Mile High are always interesting this time of year, too. I don't know what the weather's like out there. I'm not, you know, asking that it's snowing or anything like that, but there's just something about, you know, winter football in Denver that's just cool and exciting. As for the game itself, I don't know if it's going to be any good. I think Kansas City is going to, you know, have it their way with them. But part of me is interested in, in this Dallas-Philly game because there's been a lot of different reporting this week about, you know, both camps, uh, COVID issues with Philly, COVID issues with Dallas, McCarthy saying they're playing to win, uh, Sirianni not commenting on, you know, Gardner Minshew and what he's doing. Um, you know, what does Dallas want to play for, what does Philly want to play for, so that, that game is interesting too, and, and also because the line on that game has been all over the place, it opened up at, at I think like four and a half, minus four and a half Dallas, jumped up to minus seven Dallas, then back down to minus four Dallas, so there's a lot of moving pieces with that game, and you know, looking at the standings and trying to figure out you know, from a handicap perspective you know, you know what what do I want to take into consideration when considering this type of game? I think from a Dallas perspective, there isn't really much to play for. I don't think, um, you know, you need Tampa to lose. You need uh, L.A. to lose. And I just don't see that happening uh, right now, given the current schedule. So I think 
I think we're going to see an ugly game. Uh, I think we're going to see backups in there probably by at least, you know, middle of the second quarter, if not after halftime. Kind of just play it out. Uh, but it's still interesting that this game, this game has been all over the place. And um, at the end of the day, you know, we, I don't really know what type of product we're going to see uh, from either team when, we, when they kick off tonight at 8.30. Um, and by the way, just to I the the outside scenario for Denver uh, is no longer there. They have a, they have officially been eliminated from the playoffs. All right, then they are out. So I guess Kansas City, you know, does have some motivation today to play. You know, they they need Tennessee to lose to get that number one seed back, but it does behoove them to to play this game out. Um, and and, and yeah, out of hand. Yeah, the game's out of hand. I do anticipate seeing, you know, some important key members uh, taken out. But I think I like – I bet Kansas City minus 10 this week. I think that they are just too strong offensively. Denver has no explosiveness on the offense. If they get down early, I think it's pretty much a wrap. I just don't see how Denver's going to come back from a double-digit deficit. Um, they're just too inconsistent. Drew Locke is not, you know – type of quarterback that you want to put in that situation to make mistakes. So I felt very comfortable taking Kansas City this week at minus 10. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's interesting when you look at these standings and the fact that there's only one bye. And right now, it's Bills, Pats, 4-5. Um, and... Look, the Jets are going to play this out hard, and they're going to try to beat Buffalo because they did not like getting their butts kicked uh, the first time they faced Buffalo. Um, but you do have a scenario where, in, in, uh, depending on, on how these lines move and adjust, you could have divisional games happening again in the first weekend of the year, I'm sorry, first playoff weekend of the year in both conferences. Are you somebody who is okay with that scenario if it does play out? And I'm not saying that um, Bill's Pats uh, would would wind up being that, that game. I'm saying in general, are you somebody who's in favor of divisional games being in that first weekend? I mean, you'd like to see them avoid that. But I think after an 18-game schedule now, or 17-game schedule, that it's okay. I mean, that's just the way it's going to flow. You have a, a big enough sample size and the way the teams fall into it. You know, the Pats have had a better year than I think a lot of people expected. You know, a chance to win their 11th game, uh, 11th game, right, on Sunday. Uh, the Bills yeah. be underachieved by certain standards. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought that they would be probably in that 13-win mark, 14-win mark. Um, but, you know, that scenario only happens, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, if Cincinnati loses. And earlier this week when I was looking at the games and hearing the report that Cincy, I was very confused why they feel comfortable not going after a win in, in Cleveland. Yes. Because if they lose you, a win, you play New England. And why would you want your first game for a very inexperienced team to be against New England? Granted, you have it at home, but I just think that's ter- a terrible way about going about going about it. And I get it, you know, any game in the playoff is tough. But I feel like you're playing with one game behind your back, tied behind your back if you're Cincy and, and you have New England come in 
with uh, a first-time head coach, a first-time QB. A lot of their players haven't been part of playoff teams. I don't know. If I was Cincy, I'd be looking to win tomorrow because I would want to. I think I'd rather play a team like Indy or Vegas or LA at home than have New England come to Cincinnati the first week of the playoffs. I do not understand their thinking here um, because I understand trying to keep Joe Burrow, um, you know, healthy. But you're you're putting yourself in a position where Bill Belichick can be your opponent in Week One of the playoffs. Last time I checked, uh, people do not want that in general. <laughs> if this was a medical condition, that's not advisable by doctors. Um, I do not understand what their thinking is other than, I guess, trying to protect the health of Joe Burrow, which I guess is admirable considering he's coming off a torn ACL, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I agree with you. I, I think it's really, really, like, just poor management, I think, of what you have going on and the type of season you've had. You have a great opportunity here, first-round game at home, I'm sure that the, the crowd's going to be into it. You have some exciting players, but it's just such a different type of situation to be in in a wild card game than it is a regular season game. And they got a huge win last week to put themselves in a position to control their own fate, and they're just willing to let it go and be like, okay, we'll take whoever comes here. I think in this type of game, I would be looking to play the matchup rather than, you know, do what I, I don't want to say do what's best for my team, but rather than rest them, especially if they get one week of rest and lose that momentum, then who knows what they look like coming out against New England. Yeah, um, I have no idea. Who wins these final two wild card spots in the AFC? So Indy, I think the lock, uh, I mean, a lot has to go wrong for them, I think, to lose in Jacksonville. I just think that they are just... I would think so, yeah. They've got to have the worst performance of their year, which does not seem right for a team that's been on the surging level uh, for a while and clearly wants to get into these playoffs um, because they've got all the momentum at their back. Yeah, and they had a flat game last week. Wentz was bad for much of that game. Um, not surprising. We've seen that players going off the COVID list have had, you know, less than stellar games, you know, the, the first game back. So I, I think that had a lot to do with it. But, you know, they were still in that game with an opportunity to, to win it. But, you know, Derek Carr made some really good plays. I, I do think Indy did. That Chargers-Raiders game is really, really interesting. You know, the Raiders have been playing with fire for, I think, most of the year. Especially since they have lost Ruggs um, and Waller. And I know Waller's a game-time decision tomorrow, but... I don't think they've had – I think all their wins have been by, like, five points or less during this – during, you know, the second half of the season. So they aren't blowing any teams out. I think I know what I'm going to get from the Raiders. They've been pretty consistent in that standpoint, right? They play hard. Um, they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to use Renfro in the slot. If Waller gets back, they'll try to stretch the field with him. They have a, a, a decent enough defense, I think, to make things interesting in, in every game that they play. It's the Chargers that I, I don't know what I'm going to get. Are we going to get the Chargers team that you know is beaten down and played with teams like Kansas City, or are we going to get a team that showed up against Houston and got their butts kicked, um, 
even though they were undermanned, I get it, but, you know, are we going to see that? At the end of the day, I think I have to lean with L.A., but that's just very, very slightly. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. I think both coaches are going to be very, very conservative. I know Brendan Staley has been more aggressive in the past, um, but I do expect a little bit more conservative of a game flow in this game. Um, I think the Raiders are going to try to play things very close to the chest. I think they're going to try to control the clock, leave Herbert very little time to do anything. And, and I think if you're the Chargers on your end, you got to hope that your pass rush with Bosa gets home, makes the game dirty, forces Clark to some mistakes, and gives your team short fields. But my, my lean right now is the Chargers is because I, I do think overall they are just more explosive. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. Uh, who out of this Pittsburgh-Baltimore game uh, is your pick to get the other wild card? Even though it could be both the Raiders and the Chargers, it's it's beyond likely that it's going to be somebody in the uh, Steeler-Raven world. God, I mean, that game has got ugly written all over yes, it. Yes, it does. Um, we've seen the way that, that Pittsburgh has played the last two months of the season. I think their, their game the other day was the first time they had scored in the first half, like in five games. Um, Baltimore is just decimated left and right. The fact that they've been in these games recently has been phenomenal. Like, I think that just goes to like, the culture that's built in Baltimore. I think I have to lean Baltimore. I, 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 I'll take Pittsburgh in the points from a betting perspective. But I, I think I'll leave Baltimore to win that game outright. But I do think, again, it's going to be a close game. His games are always close at the end of the day. Um, but I think Baltimore just has a little bit more explosiveness with their quarterback uh, that I think they get the edge a little bit on that side. Big Ben is just a sitting duck back there. It is going to be interesting to have this five-team race. Or sorry, four-team race. No, five-team race for two spots um, winds up. Obviously, um, goes without saying that the uh, Ravens need a whole lot of help. Um, but uh, it is going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. I don't think any... Here's a better question. Are any of these five teams, Colts, Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, Ravens, are any of them going anywhere in the playoffs if they get in? I think that the Colts are the team that you got to watch out for. I like the way that they are they're built. They're built along the line. Jonathan Taylor is a phenomenal running back. Their defense has been playing pretty well for most of the year. I think their matchup with Buffalo, if they get that, is a matchup that they're comfortable with. They've played them twice in the past calendar year. You know, one game in the playoffs was very tight. Uh, the second game, they beat the crap out of them uh, by running the ball. I think that would be a very intriguing matchup, to say the least, because I think that Buffalo has definitely fixed some things since that matchup. Um, they you know, Cincinnati somehow wins and, and Indy goes in there. Again, I like their matchup. I, I like, I just like what they bring to the table. But the part that shies me away from Indy is that you have Carson Wentz as your quarterback, 
And while he's had a decent year, he's still prone every single game to those plays that you just, like, scratch your head and, like, what are you thinking? And for him to go on the road and have to win multiple playoff games is, is a tough pill to swallow if you're, if you're looking to back a dark horse like that. And granted, we've seen performances from quarterbacks that we've all doubted in the playoffs, you know, go on runs like Eli Manning and, and Joe Flacco. You know, Case Keenum won a couple of games, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, Blake Bortles won a couple of games, you know. Um, you know so, so there is precedent for that, but I think Indy is a team that I think if I had to back in the AFC, it's not a top seed to make a run. That, that's who I would put my money behind. Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, okay, uh, let's look at it this way. Um, when it comes to the NFC uh, playoff picture, um, I, it's amazing to me that, that the Saints even have a shot at this. But I just think that San Francisco, whoever they run out there as quarterback, um, is going to get the win. And it doesn't matter to me who wins this game because I don't think either team is doing anything of note in the playoff. Um, sorry, in, in the playoffs. Uh, plural. We'll get to the college football playoff in a second. Um, is that also how you see it playing out in terms of whoever gets this last spot not really doing much in the playoffs? I, I like San Francisco. I think that you're looking at a team that's like Indianapolis, right? Um, strong offensive line, creative play caller. Uh, even though you know, Kyle Shanahan at times can get stuck in his own head and, and be pig-headed and not make the right calls, but that's a team that understands, you know, what it's like to get into the playoffs. They know what it, you know, what what type of, you know, structure that takes, what, what type of game, uh, play calling and game planning is necessary. But the game against L.A. is interesting because, you know, on one hand, you have San Francisco who needs to win that game to get in. On the other hand, you have the Rams that have looked pretty bad the last couple of weeks. I've always had trouble against Shanahan teams, and could you know see their seeding go all over the place if they lose and, and certain results happen? They could go from uh, a two seed right now to the five to the four seed, right? If, if uh, no, the five seed. So I, I think this game is fascinating uh, because if you're the Rams, you need to go out there and play well. If you want to win the division. You want to be able to maybe have a home game and dictate things that way. But if you're if you're LA too, you have to get this monkey off your back. That is San Francisco because they've owned you the last three or four years. So I think that's a real. I think that's going to be the best game of the weekend. I'm surprised it wasn't flexed out to be honest with you. And I get it. You know, we have a winner. You know, winner take all with the Chargers and uh, the Raiders, but. I think this is the most important game of the weekend, if you're asking me. We shall see how this all plays out as we go into Super Wild Card Weekend um, next week. Aren't you ready for all these cool names that are coming next weekend for all these uh, bowl games? Yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, sorry, playoff games? The, the marketing people at ESPN, Fox, and all that, they really worked hard to get that, you know, that titling out. I, I can imagine the types of meetings they had to, to figure out what to name them. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yes, the NFL uh, is a marketing machine um, that has many uh, smart things and many befuddling things to happen out of that office. Um, switching gears to the college football playoff uh, national championship game, Georgia-Alabama, which comes your way Monday uh, from Indianapolis. Thankfully, inside a dome because it's going to be in single digits uh, outside. I don't think anybody wants to... Uh, See that game played outside, uh, Danny. Um, the way that I look at this game, we saw Brian Robinson Jr. have just an insane performance for Bama against um, Cincinnati. And we know how prolific this Georgia defensive line is. And I think a lot of people are going to look at Bryce Young and these targets and try to figure out where Bama can exploit the Georgia defense. But I believe Bama's best shot is to own the line of scrimmage and try to establish the run, the run. It may not work, but Nick Saban will adjust. I do think, though, that the running game could be the secret weapon that if Alabama can establish it, winds up getting them the uh, victory. Am I crazy? I think that Alabama needs to run the ball. But like you said, I think it's more of a let's keep them honest type of situation rather than we need to get 100 yards in the ground. Uh, they didn't do that in the first matchup. They used a lot of quick passing. I, I think it's very widely known that the, the secondary of, of Georgia is their weak spot. And if you're watching that Michigan game, you know, there are a lot of plays called east to west, and I'm watching that game, and I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to beat this team east and west? you got to beat them north and south. And it's not easy to do that. I'm not saying that that's the only thing that Alabama has to do to beat them, but they have to beat them north and south. And by that, I mean, you know, running between the tackles, muddying up the game at the line of scrimmage, not allowing three runners, you know, from the linebacking board to, you know, hit their wide receivers or their, their running backs. These, you know, bubble screens, you know, those, those types of passes in the flat, I don't think are, are going to get it done. I think attacking the seams and vertically is, is how you're going to beat Georgia. And, and that's what Alabama did the first time. Now, I'm sure Georgia's going to adjust a little bit. I, I expect a lot of double coverage on Jamison Williams. I think Alabama needs to figure out how to get it in space. You know how they're going to maybe do that is probably with some bunch routes. Um, you know, attacking attacking zones in different areas. If they're in man to man, lots of crossing routes to, to get muddy up the middle of the field and get people open on the perimeter uh, so they can turn it upfield. Uh, again, we spoke about it last week. Is you know they got to have secondary and, and tertiary you know pass catchers come up. Uh, Corey Brooks, a freshman wide receiver they had, had a big touchdown for them in the semis. So Floyd Bolden catch a touchdown. I was surprised he wasn't more utilized after that first you know, quarter. I think he's an important piece, again, in this game because you got to be able to, to attack that middle of the defense, get those linebackers to creep up and stay in that first level, and then you're able to attack the second level with play action, with seam routes, with deep digs, which I think Alabama you know, can do. I think I'm more interested on, on the Georgia side on offense. Is you know, How are they going to manage uh, Spencer Bennett? 
I, I think they want to do their best to not make this a game where he's dropping back 30-plus times because I think that's where they're going to find themselves in the trouble. Uh, so how does Georgia play on offense? And, and, and keep in mind, too, Georgia's had a lead against Alabama, I think, the last four times they played them, and they just can't close. And, and one would think if they get a lead and are able to run the ball and let their defense go out there that they can win this game. But... You know, I, I think there's a big mental piece that Georgia has to get over. So I'm more interested to see what uh, Georgia does on offense because Alabama on the other side of the ball has the better players uh, in the skill set position. So what does Georgia do to combat that? How will they offensively attack Alabama? And will they put more on Stenson Bennett's shoulders if they find themselves chasing the game a bit? How big is the loss of Mechie in this game? It's huge because it's going to allow that bracket coverage on Jamison Williams, which is why it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize their formations to get him open. I expect him to be in the slot a lot. Again, a lot of bunch formations. You could even see him out of the backfield a little bit. Um, so how they utilize him is going to be really important. And, again, who's going to step up? Who's going to be that, that second, third option for them to, to pick up the slack? Part of my game plan, too, in this would be a lot of screen passes. You know, this is a, a defensive line that likes to get up field. Maybe utilizing the, the screen passes with your running backs, with your tight ends. Again, just kind of trying to get that defense to be a step slower than they normally would be is how they're going to really beat them. Because I think those vertical shots are going to be there, but they're not going to be there like they were in that first game. And, you know, there's a good chance that you see Bryce Young be a little bit uncomfortable in that game. And, again, the best way to do that are short passes, utilize your backs out of the backfield, spread them out a bit, and see what you can do on that end. Because they do have the speed, but so does Georgia. So you got to find a way to combat that. The winner of the national title for 2022 is... I... I, I took Georgia at the beginning of the year to be national uh, future on them. Um, I, I liked what they had going into the season. I didn't expect their defense to be this good. Um, but I can't go against Alabama. And I know that the numbers probably tell me to pick Georgia. I know that we saw Georgia kind of get back their swagger last week, and then Alabama's performance was less impressive. But they have the better quarterback. They have the experience, coaching staff. They know how to make adjustments. And Kirby Smart has to prove to me that he can beat Alabama, which he hasn't done. And if they win tomorrow, if they win on Monday, doesn't really bother me because I still win. I have again, I have that future on Georgia to win a national championship game. But I think I have to take Alabama on Monday. I, I you know, it's plus three. As a spread, I'll, I'll take my chances with that. I'll, I'll take my chances with, you know, Bryce Young back there. And I think that Nick Saban will come up with a game plan that will, will stymie them a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, too. So um, the, the closer this game is, the tighter it is as the game moves on, I have to back a team that I think has the better quarterback, and that is Alabama. And I do expect this game to be close. And, and very slow to start off as teams as they figure out, you know, what's working. So I do think the first half is going to be a slow game. Um, 
And the second half is where I think it picks up after the adjustments are made, and I think Alabama does a better job of adjusting. Real, uh, real fast, um, as you look at both the pros and, you know, you saw Mike Vrabel, for example, for the Titans, you know, with, with, with all those double penalties and all the advantages he took, he kind of Belichicked in Belichick's face. Why is it so hard for these protégés for Nick Saban to get over the top? I think it's experience. I, you know, I think that's one thing that people forget when they do this is that you know Nick Saban's been coaching for forty years. He's won multiple national championships. He's recruited the best out of anybody the last ten years. He has, even at the end of the day, you know, when a game plan isn't working, the talent on the field. This might be the one time in a national championship game that he doesn't have the most talent on the field. So. In that situation, it's all about game planning. It's all about preparation. It's all about figuring out and adjusting. And I just think that Saban and his experience is more flexible to that than, say, Kirby Smart. I think Georgia has a formula that they want to play at. They've been a front-running team their entire, you know, the entire season. The one game they were behind was against Alabama. And they had a tough time doing, you know, coming back in that game. And they just aren't built at the quarterback position to play in that type of game. So if Alabama can keep this game close and put the pressure on the Georgia's, on Georgia's offense, I, I think that's the advantage Alabama. And I, I do think that in that semifinal game, they knew they were going to win the entire time. They knew they could run the ball on them. They knew they had that advantage, and they did it. And they'll probably find something in this game plan that will allow them to have the advantage as well. And they'll, they'll you know, use that up until it's not there anymore, and then they'll go someplace else. But I think it's just the experience. And, and I think another thing people will talk about is, is that he's decisive in his adjustments. He's not going to make an adjustment just to make it. He's going to make it because it's been planned and he is prepared for it. Whereas I think, his protégés at times, when they make the adjustments, they're trying to think, oh, well, I think Nick's going to do this, so I'm going to do that. And that could be something that they're not comfortable with. So that's where I see this cat and mouse game going. And, again, I just think Nick Saban has been a master at it for multiple years. And Kirby Smart has kind of, you know, pissed down his leg a little bit when he's played Alabama and hasn't been able to get over that hump. And, you know, maybe this is the one for him. But, again, I need to see it. And until I see it, I'm not putting my money on it. We shall see how this all plays out. Danny Flecka, thanks for joining us on Teeing It Up. And uh, enjoy this football weekend. Sounds good, my man. I'll talk to you later. You got it. And have a great football weekend, everybody. Enjoy.